Amen. Welcome to the Church Growth and Planners Conference and welcome to Zanesville. We're so glad that you're here. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. There's, there's some seats up here front. Anybody wants to come and sit up there and get a little closer, you can. And uh, we have a dynamic speaker tonight, Brother Cornwell. You'll hear more about that in just a few moments. We're so glad that he's here. Brother Watts for tomorrow. We're so glad that you're here. Would you welcome our speakers? Amen. Praise God to our missionaries that are here. We welcome you. We pray God impacts you in a mighty way. I'm glad to tell you that in just this year alone, we've, we've, we have approved seven new church plants in Ohio. 170 works in Ohio right now. Aren't you thankful for that? Praise God. In the book of Luke, we find something... Uh, in verse 1, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. I'm just a keynote, would just be a few minutes here. And uh, God's given me a great burden, a great burden for what I feel in this district, what I feel in this room right now. Luke 11, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying, in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. That John also taught his disciples. Another verse, another verse says that he prayed all night long before he chose his 12 disciples. For the next few moments, I'd like to teach you on choosing your circle. Choosing your circle. God bless you, you may be seated. Two things the Lord dealt with me about when I became the North American Missions Director for the state of Ohio. Two words. One was training and the other was attainable. This weekend is a product of that because we are training you to be soul winners and church planners. So tonight, tomorrow, that is the intent of this meeting is to train and to grow in him so we can reach our cities. Can you say amen? When I was a boy growing up, Growing up in church, I went to youth camp. I was a preacher's kid. My dad's a great church planner and soul winner and home Bible study teacher. An amazing, amazing parents I've had. I went to West Virginia camp, and uh, I'll never forget going to that youth camp. And West Virginia camp has this high platform, very, very high platform. And the, the students, the, the campers would set up on the platform, and if it was a full house, they had to remain there because that's where the choir sat, and they wouldn't be able to get in the auditorium. And uh, so the preacher had to preach this way and then turn around and preach this way. And uh, he never knew who he was preaching to, back and forth. But I'll, I'll never forget one year a preacher came and preached. And I was, just a, I was just a young teenager. And he came in late and he left early and uh, preached a masterpiece message. And every night it was that way. And I thought to myself at the end of the camp, he's so great I could never be like him. Some year or two years later at the teen camp, uh, a preacher came and preached equally good, uh, maybe better, I'm not sure, but he was there early and after service, he was in the altar and you could feel his hand on your head and you could hear his voice in your ear. And During the day, he showed up at the ball court and I turned around and there's that great preacher in a pair of blue jeans and a t-shirt playing ball with us campers. 
And I remember when I saw him becoming like me, that I thought maybe I could become like him. And I've learned that ministry has to become attainable. I don't believe Jesus stood up on the rock cliff, as J.T. Pugh taught us, that stood up on the rock cliff and preached to everybody lower than him, but he walked among the people. His greatness, he became attainable. Ministry is as such, and I've done a study. Who is producing preachers and who has licensed ministers coming out of the church? Who has preachers coming out of the church? I did this study, and what I found was it was preachers, pastors, and churches where the pastor took time outside of a general pulpit and sat down with hungry people and just talked about how he did what he did. Outside of a general pulpit, in his house or in a side room, and he would teach how to be what he was. That's what Jesus was doing when he sat down with 12. He sat down with them, and he allowed them to ask questions how he did what he did, as simple as teach us how to pray. And I've learned that there is success in that, is that if we will learn to take time, and I want to take just a moment here to talk about uh, choosing your circle. It's not just having people in your building. It's producing what you are. Sitting down with some young people or new converts and, and having sessions like this, and I'll do this now, and I've done it now for, for nearly 15 years, but having sessions, we call it oil press here is the name of our class, and we do sessions on how to pray, how to prepare a message. I literally sit down at a table, have my computer there, had a Bible there, had a thought, and I put it on the screen, they sit behind me, and we built a message together, teaching them how to study, how to prepare a message. How about this, how to give an altar call? How to pray someone through to the Holy Ghost? How to preach a funeral? One of the most powerful sessions we had was when I was teaching on how to preach a funeral. What to say, what not to say, and talking about loving people during hurting times. And when I said that, the Holy Ghost fell in that room. People were laid out in the Holy Ghost. The most powerful service in this building is in our minister's class. Gifts of the Spirit operate. We've seen people get healed out of wheelchairs in those meetings because there's something about a small circle. We celebrate Sunday's large crowds, but the impact is in a small group. Everybody take your hand and say it's a small group. Well, I teach them how to preach a funeral, how to preach a wedding, how to preach a baby dedication, how to counsel with limitations. I'll never forget 14-year-old young man raising his hand, had questions, interested uh, on how to become what his pastor is or how to become a future minister, how to, how to lead a diverse team. I was in a meeting just a few weeks ago and I was preaching in Denver, Colorado and uh, for a great, a great man there that is the bishop there, Billy Hale is his name. And I preached five times in three days. I had a young man with me, Dylan Woodward. Some of you might know him. Certainly from this church you would know him. He was our intern. Five times in three days. I called his parents the next week because he flew back to California and they said, Dylan can't stop talking about that Sunday afternoon time that you all had with Bishop Billy Hale and the pastor, Danny Hood. Now, I preached five times, but he wasn't talking about my preaching. <laughs> but we sat down after Sunday service at a table with coffee, food, some dessert for about three to four hours 
And it was one story of what God said. One moment about what God did. Bishop Billy Hale, the elder, started pouring open his heart about how God did this and what God said here. After three and a half or four hours, the 12-year-old, we said, well, it's about, he said, well, it's about time to go. He said, no, 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 no. One more story. Just tell one more story. Can I say, I appreciate our Sunday services, but the impact in our church is not gonna be in a general audience. It must happen in small circles where you open your heart and tell your life. How many believe there's people in our churches that are interested in who we are and what God has caused to do? Let's clap our hands and thank God for that. Ministry must be made attainable. This is not attainable. Up in a pulpit, a shirt and tie and a suit up here, that's, that's not attainable for people to become great. Setting down with people, Bible studies, home Bible studies, discipleship, amen. Brent and Crystal, I want you to stand. Every Wednesday night, six o'clock, they're my home Bible study group. We said every Wednesday night at six, and they bring their neighbor kids and their kids and we teach. That is what this is all about. I want you to clap your hands and thank God for a small circle of influence. I, I bring my point, and I close here today on this, this point. Uh, and it was years ago, I was at Cabela's with my two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and I like to hunt and um, train up a child. <laughs> Brother Cornwell, you, you, you'll think this is funny because we didn't know what we were going to have. We already had a girl, and uh, we didn't, it was a surprise, our second one. And uh, when he came out, I said, it's a boy. Man, I was so happy. When she got settled, the baby got settled. I was, he was born somewhere at 4 o'clock in the morning. Went and breakfast with my dad, and he said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to Workman's. That's where they sell camouflage. I went down and was looking at camouflage, and he said, he's not going to be able to wear it for five or six years. I said, I know, but I'm thinking about it right now. And uh, I took him, he was about two years old, and I went to Cabela's. And while he was there, I went to go get a spotting scope, and this is the one that I bought. And it's so interesting because... I got my spotting scope and I've got my, my boys right here and, and uh, I got down a spotting scope and I was at Cabela's and I was looking somewhere way off at something on the other side to see how clear it was and somehow when I was looking for something way off, when I pulled my eye, just, just the moment of looking way off, I, I pulled my eye out like that and I looked and the Sawyer was gone. He had run and hid. I, had, I mean, I went to the closest Cabela's worker and... Uh, I'm like, I can't find my boy. I've lost my boy. I can't find him anywhere. And uh, they did some type of code green. And they put on the intercom. They locked the doors and shut the place down. And I'm running. You should have seen me running through that place trying to find my son. And finally they found him. He was hiding in the bargain cave. You know what I learned? Sometimes while we're looking at things that's way off and what will be and what could be, Things that God has put three feet from us are lost. The revival that's going to happen. The prophecy that's going to happen. And they sit right in your seat. They live right next to your house. You work with them every day. God's put them three feet from you. But you're looking at a revival that hasn't happened yet because you can't see what God's put right next to you now. Revival's not coming. Revival's here. Revival's right here, right now. I don't want to lose what God has for me because I'm thinking about something else. God has already put them in your life. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, let me see what you put in my life.
Let me see what you put in my life. Krista, I want you to come here. Krista Wells, I want you to come. With the Nehemiah, I have Krista to come out here. The prophet said it's going to be a great revival in our city. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, there's a, there's a prophecy. There's a revival we got. Always in the pulpit talking about what we'll be. And they're sitting in your seats. Young people sitting on your pews that are so hungry to learn how to be like you. But we preach general messages that go right here. And they just like to sit down. I had a guy drive not too long ago. Drove. He said, I'm in. He's from Michigan. He said, drove. He said, can I have 30 minutes of your time? I said, I got a lot more than 30 minutes. It is flattering. But he sat down. Had bullet points. He wanted to talk about revival. How to do. How to have. And how to be. Drove all the way from Columbus down. Because people are hungry. Not for a general pulpit. Conversation. This generation ain't going to get it from here. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about just salvation message. We need preaching. But what I'm saying is we're going to make an impact. It's going to be one-on-one. It's going to be in the living room. It's going to be in the side room. The preachers that produce preachers aren't doing it from a pulpit. They're doing it from a side room or a living room. And every now and then. It's getting normal. Being real. Are y'all with me? That's the impact. Where you at, Krista? Come here. Were you 13 or 14 when you came? 14 years old. Came from a home of addiction. Home of addiction and brokenness. Uh, chaos. Her uncle died in the bedroom beside of her. Both parents were strung out. But we went door knocking. We had young people, sinners, coming to our church. It went long. She showed up. I don't know that she's ever missed a Sunday that I remember. Come from a home of addiction. She was faithful. She had a call of God that came on her life. Not only did she repent and get baptized, she went through their new life classes and, and now her husband and ministerial classes and went through. She just graduated occupational therapist with a master's degree. Her husband's a preacher. She's got a call of God on her life. There's people like her all over your city. And you're waiting on them to show up and you got to go get them. They're out there. They're hungry. She doesn't want to miss one service. What would happen if nobody would have ever reached her? They're going to come from Bible college. That's what's going to happen. No, not going to wait on them to come from Bible college. They're three feet from us. Will you pray for them tonight? Will you pray that God would put a burden in their heart for the people that live right down the street from their church? Would you lift your hands and receive the prayer of this young lady?